0: What's up, everybody? This is the Justin Ward Podcast. I'm joined by a special guest today, my 18-year-old brother. Freshly turned 18 yesterday, Eric.
1: How's it going, guys?
0: Um, so, I have some stuff here. I'm just doing my daily podcast. Um, immediate reactions following the Texas Tech loss to Iowa State. Um... Obviously that was like a tough loss because um, as tech basketball fans like we're so spoiled that we just expected to go undefeated and have a dream season and return to the national championship and win it but when you put things into perspective and you and you have time to kind of sit back and look at everything as a whole um, beard had to fill in a lot of holes this year which is obviously what everyone's been saying since they lost last season that there's going to be a lot of holes to fill there's going to be a lot of young players but as fans you always choose to ignore that shit and just think well um because it's my team they're going to be they're going to be great and and you know obviously they made it to the national championship last year so um the bar has been set high from from since the loss to virginia so i think it was good to knock us down like a few pegs and that's exactly what it did I made an initial podcast with a bad reaction, you know, just pissed off. And, and now that I've had time to kind of cool down and think about it, um, it probably wasn't a bad thing that we lost. And so um, um, that's how I feel about that. I don't know, Eric. I just think we're young. Um,
1: I think that, you know, the lack of three-point shooting – you know that's always kind of been a key factor usually not with Moriarty usually Moriarty you know when you need him he's usually there and he usually you know uh does like he did last year and you know would come up in the clutch but this year it seemed like a um height you know was a huge factor uh behind the arc huge factor inside scoring fantastic like it has been past years um defense has been uh, amazing. I think that, you know, defense is always going to be there with Coach Beard, you know, no matter what, no matter who he's coaching for, no matter who he's coaching.
0: Um, yeah, the fact of the matter of tonight was is that Iowa made a lot of three-pointers, but they were well defended by Tech. I mean, sometimes that shit's just going to happen. Um, sometimes you're just you're going to put your best defense forward and, and you're going to come up against guys that, that don't mind having a hand in their face while they're shooting a three-pointer. And Iowa was that team I mean they're they are that team they have a lot of uh a lot of white guys a lot of jump shooters um that can shoot perimeter shots and they happen to be experienced a lot of seniors a lot of juniors so looking back on it, it wasn't that surprising that you know obviously tech was favored to win they were the higher ranked team, and they're probably the better team overall uh talent wise but um hats off to Iowa. They played a they played a tough game and they made a lot of tough shots with hands in their faces so, um, that's really all all I have to touch on that, uh, it. Opposite reaction as a Cowboys fan though to the loss today, I did predict that the Cowboys would win that I believe thirty five twenty one, I couldn't have been more wrong, so I thought that Amari would have a a breakout game I think I predicted he would have a two hundred yard game, he did have a good game. He did get hurt. Um, Dak couldn't minimize the turnovers. I think the Cowboys came to play. I think they came to win, and Dak had some boneheaded turnovers. And 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 if looking back on, some of them weren't his fault. I mean, he he did get hit while he was throwing on that interception to that D lineman, and you can't account for something like that. But it it when it happens to Dak, it's it's totally intensified, and I and I get it a hundred percent the Cowboys had opportunities to win the game they didn't they were out coached again which is uh something that is a trend with the Cowboys and after the game of course Jerry's there talking to the media again and he said that he's sticking with Jason Garrett no no shocker there I think that uh he did say before the after before sometime before this game that he would stick with Garrett throughout the entire season wasn't going to make any coaching changes this year and um but he wouldn't comment on past this season because Jason Garrett is in the last year of his contract. I have an inside source that's telling me that Lincoln Riley is already the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So um, I can't give that source. I'm not going to give any names to that source, but obviously I'm not, a, I'm not the most credible sports person in the world. So I will give you the credentials of that source. That source is a high school football coach. Who is in contact with college football coaches constantly recruiting um, here in the state of Texas? Um, he uh, he's obviously he's a coach of a of a top five program in uh, in the state of Texas. So he's he's in contact with a lot of a lot of D one um, coaches, and uh, so he he informed me today that uh, Lincoln Riley is is more than likely the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and that that's been the sources come from D1 coaches also within those sources they say that um there has been some documented uh private plane rides from Norman, Oklahoma to um Dallas so uh maybe possibly the Oklahoma team plane I don't know I have to look into that um to see the credibility there or it might have been the Cowboys team plane going into Norman, Oklahoma one or the other so that's just something to look into I don't know if it's if that's a news article yet but just from what Jerry's saying, no, no changes this year. So I'm not. It's not something I'm going to be looking out for or hoping for. I'm just. I mean, we're just going to see Jason Garrett on the sideline clapping for the rest of the year, and that's that's what we're going to have to get used to. If the Cowboys made the playoffs, they'll probably lose in the first round because they're going to have to play a team with a winning record, and they just don't beat teams with winning records. So, um, it's it's so weird to me because if Dak would have played well, and the Cowboys would have won the game and put up a lot of points and put up a lot of yards, I would put Dak into my MVP conversation because I thought that before today he deserved to be there. And I thought that because last time I was bored and I pulled the passing stats for Lamar Jackson and I compared him side-by-side side to the passing stats for Dak Prescott's and Dak Prescott's were better. And so as a quarterback, that's your job is to distribute the ball. Obviously, Lamar Jackson brings like another um, another level of – to the position with his ability to run the ball. So I had Dak Prescott in the MVP conversation before tonight. Now he's – I mean, it's it's out of the question. Uh, Cowboys is just another year with a lot of talent, and, and it's just not translating to wins because of bad coaching. Uh, so that's really all that I've got on the Cowboys. Eric – Eric's not a Cowboys fan, so he doesn't really um, – he doesn't really have an opinion except for nothing except for just sheer hate. He says that I'm I'm biased on here. I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible right now. But um I think everybody shares the same opinion about the Cowboys. I think that, you know. Some people think Jerry's a problem, some people think Jason Garrett's a problem. It's probably a combination of both. I don't think you're ever gonna see that level of success like the Patriots have with an owner like Jerry Jones. He should probably take a page out of. Um, Robert Kraus's book but I think that he is uh has a high level of OCD and he has to be in control of every situation so that's probably some some mental mental health issues going on or something but um that's all I gotta say about the Cowboys but touching on that MVP conversation I know that I say that Lamar Jackson is probably going to win the MVP Eric brought up an interesting point about another guy possibly winning the MVP I think it's
1: you know, you can't rule out Russell Wilson or Christian McCaffrey. I think those two are also having unbelievable seasons. And if you rule them out, I mean, I understand the hypes around Lamar Jackson and um you know, when you have a guy that has that I'm not going to compare him at all to Michael Vick cuz he's not even in my opinion close to Michael Vick. I do think that Lamar know, Jackson, mhm, I don't think he's anywhere close to Michael Vick, but I well, I do think when people <laughs> see a quarterback that's as different like that, it is, you know, something that you want to get hype about and it's like Pat Mahomes, you saw Pat Mahomes doing some, you know, really weird things like you know, the jump passes, the left-handed
0: passes. You you know you saw him do. Anytime it. we see something new, we're gonna. It's it's shiny and and we want to. Exactly. But now that Mahomes is doing it again for his second year, nobody really gives that much of a shit anymore. All eyes are on Lamar Jackson, and and Mahomes um, is having the same
1: exact year as he did last year. Stats minus not the injuries. <laughs> minus the injuries, Mahomes is still having an unbelievable season.
0: Now now I'm I'm gonna give you the old man the old man talk here. Uh This is this is just the consummate like I've seen this guy play. You haven't, um, and now we're comparing someone to him. It's 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 like the Michael Jordan and LeBron comparison when you're comparing Michael Vick to Lamar Jackson. Um, If Lamar Jackson were playing in, or if if Michael Vick were playing in today's NFL, and the reins were let off of him like Harbaugh is doing with Lamar Jackson, my God man i mean in his prime mike vick was probably the most dynamic runner i've ever seen in my life uh and lamar jackson is probably like top 5 so yeah i mean that's that's like that's an obvious comparison whenever if you want to compare those two guys um yeah i could I, i'm sitting here trying to justify in my head like um saying that lamar jackson's better than mike vick but i just think back to mike vick's virginia tech days and, and I mean, the dude was the freakiest athlete I've ever seen in my life. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, the dude uh, – Mike Vick could throw the ball better than people, I think, that didn't see him play th- think that he did, if that makes sense. So Mike, Mike Vick had a fucking cannon for an arm, and I think his arm was better than, than Lamar Jackson's is because Lamar Jackson, like like I said a thousand times, his run game opens up his pass game, and they, and they use that. Harbaugh's doing an excellent job of, of um, just – making that team uh Lamar Jackson's team. But come playoff time, we're going to find out because we like we saw with Mahomes last year, we saw Mahomes just run over the league and then all of a sudden you get in the playoffs and the NFL starts to starts to change. Things start to look things get deceptive in the playoffs because you've got to play the Patriots. You've got to play the Chiefs when you're Lamar Jackson. I mean, you've got to go through all these teams and um I I just – I don't see him being able to do the things that he's doing in the regular season in the playoffs. Um, Christian McCaffrey uh, – Russell Wilson is is always going to be an MVP candidate. He's what I call a filler candidate. So, like, he's just a name you throw in there just so – so, like, if I'm totally biased towards Lamar Jackson winning the MVP, I want to make it seem like I am not totally biased and I'm just going to throw Russell Wilson's name in there and I'm just going to throw – Drew Brees's name in there and Patrick Mahomes's name in there, but I still think Lamar Jackson should win it. So Russell Wilson's always going to be thrown into that conversation. Um, but Christian McCaffrey is like needs to be a legitimate candidate, not just a, a name you throw out there. He's number one. Um, you've never seen a white guy do what he's doing in the NFL, like ever. Like the dude is lightning fast. He catches the ball. I mean, if if you moved him to receiver, he'd probably be. Top five hands in the league, um, he he does everything right, and and for a small white back, he blocks probably better than any back in the NFL outside of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he's he's an excellent blocking back. Um, yeah, and he's and he's he's just and he's white. He's ma- he's he's making all these you know freak athletes on on NFL defenses look stupid, and he's gonna. I don't know if he's still on pace to break, the all-purpose yards record that Chris Johnson set. Um, in two thousand nine, I believe, but um, I think that he's he's we're gonna see him eclipse you know over two thousand yards all purpose in a season, and that's just stupid. I mean that's just insane. So, um, NFL MVP. That's a, uh, I think you can't go wrong with Jackson or or um, McCaffrey. Greg Schiano. I talked about him on the last podcast. Eric's Eric, young to remember Sciano's days at Rutgers, but there was a small window where Greg Sciano wa- made Rutgers a powerhouse in football, and they were competing with SEC teams, and it was fucking insane. Do you even know who Greg Ciano is? I do not. Okay, so he coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was their last head coach. Okay. So, like, he was at Rutgers for a small window of time, and he built that program up to, like, a top – Five fucking football team I mean, so that landed the him his job used to and be him.
1: the Alabama huh
0: uh, no I'm not saying they used to be the Alabama I've for I've a small window the
1: Rutgers were the Alabama before Alabama was Alabama
0: you've heard that you've uh, heard somebody say that yeah oh wow okay um, I wouldn't go that far but they were actually pretty good like they never they, he never let them do a national championship or anything so they're actually just trying to bring him back and they made a very insulting offer to him 8 years 32 million dollars and he just kind of told them to fuck off but i guess because of their past relationship that a return is back on the table but i don't know if they can really afford a guy like shiano um i believe shiano's been at ohio state as an assistant under urban Meyer for a little bit but that dumpster fire created by uh by the scandal going on with the with the coach I, i'm sure anybody would want to run for the hills i don't know why he didn't get that head coaching job at ohio state but i think him returning to rutgers would be would be really good um and he's kind of like an Urban Meyer type too. He recruits wild cards. I mean, he recruited Ray Rice. Ray Rice, you know, beat the fuck out of his wife and then Urban Meyer um recruits murderers and and um, uh, uh thieves. I mean, didn't uh, Cam Newton I think stole a laptop while he was at Florida, so I mean, but then he at the same time he recruits guys like Tim Tebow who I mean, basically god. I mean, is is Tim Tebow god? I can do a whole segment on is Tim Tebow god. You can argue against it, but I might be right, <laughs> you know. I
1: mean, you don't.
0: If you follow the word of Tim Tebow, like you'll probably be all right. Um. I don't want to see you doing it. So yeah, but I was gonna kind of transition from that MVP race to the Heisman race. Um, I think it's down to three guys. I think you got Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, and then you got Chase Young. Um. The Heisman Committee's always gonna they're always gonna throw that defensive player in there just to make you think that it's a fair award. It's not a fair award, it's always gonna go to a quarterback or a running back. Um, we saw it one time in our life where a defensive player got it and um you know, even even like even like a Randy Moss. Whenever Randy Moss is playing at Marshall, like they're not even gonna give love to the guys that are at those smaller D one schools. Um Randy Moss was is the greatest receiver that I've ever seen on the football field maybe the best athlete that i've ever seen in my life
1: over jerry rice
0: yeah i didn't get to see jerry rice play that much but randy moss was legit like randy moss was way fucking legit and actually a lot of people don't know randy moss was actually committed to play to notre dame he had he had offers from every every in basketball and football pretty much offers from every um oh and baseball he's an excellent baseball player he came from Rand, West Virginia. He had offers to play wherever he wanted to, whatever sport he wanted to. He commits to Notre Dame. He ends up uh, getting in a fight at school, gets suspended. Notre Dame pulls a scholarship because they're fucking Notre Dame. That's what they do. Lou Holtz calls um, fuckhead at FSU, uh, who's the old Florida State coach, um, Bowden, and he tells him, hey, Randy Moss, like I'm just going to hand him to you. Lou Holtz calls Randy Moss says, "Hey, you you need to go to Florida State and they'll take you. We can't take you because because of, of your your shit going on legally," and um, so he goes to Florida State, but he has to redshirt a year because it's considered like a transfer. Or some some kind of weird shit. Well, he ends up getting in a lot of trouble at Florida State smoking weed, and um, so then he ends up he ends up it ha- ends up at Marshall. Marshall's a D two school about to go D one, and he just fucking lights it up. So. Um, He actually got invited to New York to go to the Heisman Ceremony. I know I'm making this a really long story, but he goes to the Heisman Ceremony. And he actually, that was the year that Charles Charles Woodson, that was the first year we saw a defensive player win it in Charles Woodson. So, um, you know, that of just a rare fucking occurrence where you get a lower-level D1 guy and a defensive player in New York for the Heisman Ceremony. Um, Chase Young can finish with 20 sacks, and he won't win the fucking Heisman. It's gonna be Joe Burrow if if LSU goes undefeated, or it's gonna be Justin Fields if, if Ohio State goes undefeated. So, um, yeah, that's 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 Heisman race. I mean, these I feel like these things are mostly predetermined before the season even starts nowadays. Honestly, say
1: so we go off script here and talk about how fucking bad the NCAA is. At what? At just their rulings. How they screw players over. I just you know, there's players that are in worse circumstances.
0: Well yeah, I talked I talked about it on the last podcast.
1: When it comes to transferring and stuff like that. I
0: talked about it on the last podcast. Um the kid at the kid at uh at Memphis, the number one overall basketball recruit. I mean Penny Hardaway ballsy as fuck, pulls money out of his own pocket and gives pays the kid basically, Hey, I'll pay you to come to Memphis. And then the the I think the NCA they give him a light, a 12-game suspension, even after the NCA suspended him indefinitely, and then Penny Hardaway still put him on the court. Like, this is how ballsy Penny Hardaway is. Puts the dude on the court, even though he's suspended, risk a forfeiture of his entire season, and then the NCA comes back and, and gives him a 12-game suspension. I thought that was fair. I think that in most cases like that in the past, we, we see the, the, those guys get... Like with the Arizona thing, I mean, everybody... They, I mean, they they wiped him out. They wiped him clean. The FBI got involved, so I think that that was pretty, pretty fucking light right there. But yeah, I mean, the, we're we're fixing to start seeing players get paid, and it's going to be interesting to see like how that comes into effect. In my opinion, we're not going to see that. We're not going to see Alabama paying Tua to play quarterback for Alabama. That's not going to happen. What all that rule means, all that law that has passed means is that a player can benefit from his name. So, meaning like... Jersey um, sales. Yeah, no, not really, because then Alabama would have... I'm just using Alabama as an example. So, you have Tua and Alabama, two separate entities right you look at them as a business alabama is is a is a well-oiled business that's what that's what they are alabama football is a business so they license out their their uh their likeness their logo their name and they do it to nike and they make these jerseys with the numbers traditionally and then they um they don't put the players names on the back and they sell the jerseys so um Alabama's not gonna allow Tua to go to Nike and say, I wanna sell my Alabama jersey, you know, and and gain profit from it. They're not they're not gonna allow anything like that. But what we're gonna start seeing is we're gonna it's gonna benefit basketball players more because they're gonna be able to we're gonna see shoe deals for fucking college basketball players. Like Nike's gonna sign Jamays Ramsey, you know, the next Jemai you know what I'm saying? And they're gonna have that guy and they're gonna they're gonna give this kid that grew up in the ghetto, you know. Uh, if stupid money to get these shoe contracts, and it's that's gonna be fucking. That's gonna that's gonna make the add a, a crazy dynamic to the NCA that we've never seen before. Um, because especially in college basketball, there's a lot of pointless. They play a lot of pointless fucking games. So I mean, these guys, they're they're gonna instantly become prima donnas. They're not playing for they're not playing for the possibility of making money anymore. They're playing to make money at that point. And so we're gonna see a lot of uh, this load management shit, you know, come into effect, and and things like that. Guys starting to sit out games and and things, things of that nature. But you're also gonna get a weird resentment thing because your number, your top player on your basketball team is is gonna possibly have this shoe deal with Nike, and and is gonna be getting paid, and your 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 into the bench guy is is not gonna be making anything. So you're still gonna have players out there because I mean who nobody's gonna wanna pay these guys that aren't gonna make it to the NBA. So I mean it's 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 fucking weird and, and it's affected it affects us in this way. We are gonna get to play NCAA football again. And that's fucking awesome.
1: <laughs> I remember growing up I used to see you and uh uh Matt. Play it all the time. I think I still in my room. I I think I still have a. I don't have the disc, but I think I have an old. Yeah. Uh, the old. Yeah. Uh, uh, old Xbox. I think it was like the original Xbox. No, original PlayStation. It was on. I think I have the old. Uh, disc case. Yeah. Disc case for it. Yeah. And, uh, oh man. I think it was. Uh, I want to say like 2008 or something like that. I can't remember the year. I can't remember who Do happened. you remember who was on the
0: cover? I can't. Because uh, Michael Crouchy was on the cover in 2009. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> I think I want to say this one was a...
1: Uh, it looked like he might have been a running back. I want. I think it was 2008.
0: Okay. Yeah, Crabtree was on in 2009. Let's see if I can pull up a picture over here. Right
1: there. It was just right there. Uh,
0: was that one? You know yeah, what? Was I was personal. wrong. Maybe Crabtree was... Was, okay, so that was the year that they actually did um, multiple cover athletes. So depending on your region, that's the that's the one you got, I I believe. Or maybe Crabtree was just Xbox, and then somebody else was. I can't remember how they did that Cause, that year. Because that I have this one in my room. I can go back.
1: The one with the Arkansas player. Who was this? That's Darren McFadden. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I so, have this one in my room. Yeah. I don't yeah.
1: believe it has a D- CD, but I do
0: have the case in my room. Yeah. So I mean NCAA football when I was growing up as a kid, like that was that was end all be all. Like that was life. Um so during the summertime, my bet me and my best friend grew across the street from each other, and we would um stay at each other's houses all throughout the summer, whether it mostly staying at mine. And we would actually just get a case of water and, um, like, snacks. Powdered donuts was a a big thing. Um, Just whatever snacks my mom had around the house. And we would just put it in my bedroom, make it caught on the floor, and then we would start a dynasty on NCAA. And we would play every single game. And we would drink the water, we'd eat the snacks. And we wouldn't get up to even use the restroom. We would just piss into the bottles of water that we had finished and we would just throw them under my bed and that's how dedicated we were to just playing every you know playing every game of that dynasty and all all the meanwhile recruiting and and things like that and so that's that's how that's the level of love that, that i had for ncaa football um
1: one of my favorite things about ncaa football when he wasn't home i used to play it and i would love the mascot game where you could play with every team's mascot. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember I used to love that as a little kid. I was we're nine years apart, so you can imagine what you know that was like for a kid that was much younger playing his older brother's game when he wasn't there, and you know you get to see mascots and stuff like that. It was I remember yeah. that vividly.
0: So our age gap is is big enough to where I was the brother like um, giving Eric the controller and like acting like it was plugged into the Xbox, you know. <laughs> And he thought that he was actually playing with us. Um, but most of the time, I would just, like, lock him in a in a dog kennel. And <laughs> that way, I just didn't have to deal with him at all. Um, but, yeah, NCAA football, I cannot wait for that to come back. Um, I don't know if my wife will actually allow me to have a, a game console again. So, um, she's shaking her head no. So... But yeah, I mean that that's that's an interesting point. I think that now that now that the laws have been passed, we're not it's not going to be in the media as much anymore. We're not going to see as much about it just because it's it's they've kind of reached a resolve with it. But I do think that it's it's fucking it's a tragedy that these coaches are getting paid like tens of millions of dollars a year and then they're they're coaching kids that they're going into homes like how hard is it? Put yourself in this situation. You're making ten million dollars a year, and you're living your best fucking life. And you are constantly going into homes of eighteen year old, seventeen year old kids, and they don't have running water. They don't have a decent bed to sleep on. Some of these kids are it's are even basketball more. players, six foot six to seven foot tall guys and they're sleeping on beds where their feet are hanging off the bottom you know and they don't have running water they don't they, they you know they're not they they they're living in a housing project how hard is it for you to um see that and be to okay watch that every it. day and just like be cool with it and not give a player money not help a player out or, or something like that and so it, it always it always pisses me off when i see when i see these coaches getting in trouble for helping out uh, a, a player's family Like with Reggie Bush When Reggie Bush was at USC Pete Carroll Bought his bought his parents a home And You know I don't know their situation before that But I'm just assuming that it was Bad enough to where they couldn't afford a place to live And so you know they Whether they turned to the only man they knew That had any kind of money whatsoever Or he offered to help them I don't think it really even matters But the fact that they Took away Reggie Bush's Heisman, they took away a national championship from USC, um, scarred their program for still to this day they're still re- trying to recover from the effects of of that. All because a, a a a guy in a good position helped out someone who had less than him. It it's it the NCA doesn't look that bad for it, but they should look really really bad for it. It's it's kind of sickening if you think about it. So. I mean, it like he said, it's hard to walk
1: in and see stuff like that and just be okay with it and just you know you know, do you want this kid? This kid's an athlete. What he's going through at home, you know, you're just trying to help him out, you know, there's some players that gotta wear the same pair of clothes, you know. And not all of the kids are like that, you know. Some but
0: kids, I do th- I do think the NCAA does get once these kids do get to these programs. I mean, their they, shit's free. I mean, they yeah. get free meals. They it's there, they get stipend. They they do get clothes.
1: If you see them, you I mean, know, you see them out in public,
0: of, and they're wearing all Texas beats, Tech
1: headphones. You know, yeah, they're wearing yeah. top of the line Under Armour stuff. Just as just tech, but uh, you know, they got the newest iPhone. But you know, if they didn't have that scholarship and they weren't playing there, they wouldn't. But when, when
0: the when the LSU locker room was built, the extravagant lockers that cost you know ten million dollars a piece or whatever. And then that former, the former LSU player, I want to say it was Eric Reed. I can't remember though. He tweeted out. He said, "I wish that a player could have gotten that money to give to his family instead of spending it on a, on a fucking locker." You know that kind of puts it into perspective. Like, well, you know, it's nice. I'm sure those players enjoy having a a locker that's you know cost over a million dollars and has a. But I'm sure he would much rather have that money. And send it to his family because what do these guys do whenever they get drafted? What's the first thing that these players do? They go spend their money on stupid shit, probably. No, 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 no. What's what's the first thing that the, that these athletes that come from nothing? Oh by, They go buy yeah, their, their a fucking mama, house. Yeah. So that's at the end of the day. That's that's their ultimate goal is to is to better their their family situation. So, um, but I I think then just getting into a big program already does that for them to some extent. But yeah, just like moving on from that. Um just a couple other notes that I have here and then I'll be done. I think I saw that Carmelo Anthony got a standing ovation for um 19 scoring 19 points. Uh I never I've never thought Carmelo Anthony was a good player. I thought that he skips out a lot of plays. He's never really played defense. And so um there was a point in time where when he was probably considered better than LeBron. I just thought that was pretty comical. I think there's an aura around NBA players that's that's just uh stupid. I don't get into the NBA a lot. I hate the NBA. I hate Adam Silver. I don't like that they come off as um anti democracy. I don't like that they didn't defend Daryl Morey for his for defending democracy. I think we all benefit from democracy. Um just the, 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 the entitlement that comes off of these players like LeBron and Kyrie and and, and um carmelo and and the guys like that it's 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 stupid and people worship the ground that these nba players walk on the the nfl does a much better job of of masking their players and and they're not masking them to protect the shield like people say they are it's because these these people are young dumb and rich and so they're always they're constantly going to be doing stupid shit and the nba has no protection for that and so um we get to actually see the nba players doing a lot of dumb shit that rich, that rich young dumb people do and um i i just think the player mobility is plays into all that you know um in in the working world in the, in, in an actual working environment you don't just get pissed off and and leave and you know, after one year, and then well, I'm gonna go work with my best friend, and that's just something that you see somebody that's young and dumb do, and and that's what what we're see, what we're seeing in the NBA with these young guys is they're just like well, you know, like with Anthony Davis, the Pelicans drafted him. He was their first draft pick of the, of their franchise ever, and it seemed outside looking in like they treated him really well. I I mean, if you're paying this guy, you're willing to pay this guy over a hundred million dollars, you're willing to give him the keys to the franchise. And he's unhappy. I mean, what what does he have to be unhappy about? And and he just, you know I, I that's just something that somebody that's that's young and, and dumb they don't appreciate what these what these franchises are actually doing for them. They just they just get find something to get mad about and they run, oh I'm gonna go, you know, join forces with LeBron in, in LA and, and that's just that's just a trend going on in the NBA that I hate, so I just avoid watching it altogether. ESPN panders to it. You know a lot of a lot of uh a lot of, big sports outlets pander to that because, because um, kids like uh, like, it, it's it's a reality TV show effect. Kids enjoy watching reality TV, and so the NBA is is a big reality TV show. Nobody watches the actual games because if you look at the ratings on the ESPN games, nobody's nobody's watching the games, but. For some reason, this shit sells. That's why that's why Cowherd's talking about it all the time. Um, people like to keep up with it. They just don't like to watch the actual fucking product on the TV. And so that says that that speaks volumes. I don't know what how Eric feels about the NBA. I know that he like fucking loved the heat. So like he pandered to that shit too. Like growing up, like he was like a big Heat fan when LeBron went there. <laughs> I
1: did. I did. I do love LeBron. I think, you know,
0: yeah he's a lebron's a raging racist he hates white people, so he probably doesn't like you
1: <laughs> no i i think lebron is uh you know the, today's n b a is you know it's it's changed a lot it's you know you don't have that nitty gritty you touch me on the shoulder i'm going to turn around and sock you in your mouth type of thing you know you you sock you know you push somebody oh you're going to throw your hands up and you know you're going to want a penalty you know that's not how it was you know my favorite story is uh the malice in the palace i believe that happened not too long ago a couple of days ago a couple of days ago uh like 20 years ago or something like that
0: and um oh the anniversary yeah, of it yeah the
1: anniversary of it and uh well I, ron was,
0: artest had mental health problems i mean still that <laughs> that I think, is always my favorite he story he actually admitted that he had mental health problems Cause I I watched it. Kevin Hart interviewed him on his little show that he does on Snapchat, and he kind of went into depth about it. And he he said, "Yeah, I was like, um, you know, I I was having mental health issues. Like I uh, he was suicide he he tried to kill himself uh, right around that time, and so like, yeah, he was just a ticking time bomb back then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that
1: if you ever watched the NBA the was a lot
0: different back then for sure. If I I watched it. Yeah, I was, I didn't watch it live, but I remember when it happened. Yeah."
1: Yeah, if you you watch that video, it's funny. Is it? It's so h- hilarious. You know, you see the fan just walk up to him, and Ron Artest just doesn't doesn't even think. Just looks at him. It's dude, never, yeah, never just a good idea to thought, fight a fan.
0: Just in, to fight to fight an athlete. You know, <laughs> I've seen it happen. Uh,
1: the funny thing is, if you're the NBA, what do you do? You just had you know about you know forty fans get the shit kicked out of them by you know six yeah. six five plus dudes. You know that way you probably you know. In the, you know, 180 to 300-pound range... (laughs) You know what do you do as an
0: NBA? You're just like, well, do we just suspend the whole? Well, team? if that were to happen in today's NBA, you got to understand how many fans would actually pull out their phones and start recording it. <laughs> oh, I right? just got, I got mean, my, kicked. I just got my ass kicked! Yeah, nobody's gonna stop. I just stop got my ass help.
1: kicked by LeBron James. This is the best day of my life. Because your immediate
0: reaction to everything nowadays is just pull your phone out and record. Right. So like nobody's gonna fucking help anybody if that were to happen in today's game. Um, but players, I, I think players are too soft even nowadays to even fight fans, but. I will let say, let alone fight
1: another player. It's never did it a good idea to
0: fight an athlete because I've seen it happen. So Yankee fans will always remember this one. Um, they were, Yankees were playing in Boston. It was might have been like oh three or oh two. It was it was it was early two thousands. Jeff Nelson was warming up in the bullpen, and Jeff Nelson was big country. Jeff Nelson, like this dude, was like big Southern guy. He was a reliever for the Yanks. He he wore a mustache. Like he he looked like a cop. Um he looked like a big burly fucking cop. And, uh, but he also looked like one of those cops that had like an extensive military background. Um, corn fed motherfucker. So he's out there, he's warming up. And this Boston fan is just getting too chippy with him. And so Jeff Nelson decides he's going to walk over there and engage this fan. Well, this fan jumps into the bullpen and gets his ass kicked by Jeff Nelson. So that was the one time. <clears throat> and then I saw, um, Gosh, Gary Sheffield at Fenway again in early two thousands in Boston, um, in the right in right field where, where where we sat when we went to Fenway, where where you I mean you remember how close the players were right there yeah, on yeah, that right field yeah. porch. Yeah, there was you a could, fan right there in that corner, and um, he either Gary Sheffield spit in his face or he 100%. spit in Gary Sheffield's face. But I don't know if you know who Gary Sheffield is. Yeah. Not to be fucked with. <laughs> like, that's the last guy you ever want to get in a fight with. Like Gary Sheffield was not, and, and back back in his playing days, I mean Gary Sheffield. I mean he was a, he was he was one of those juice heads. He was right in that era. So I mean, did not want to fuck Gary Sheffield punched the fan, but luckily it, there was enough time in between him getting that fan for some of the Yankee players to come pull him off. So it's just never a good idea to engage with fans like to engage with athletes physically. Because they're, they're, I mean, they're out there um, because they're in excellent shape and, and they're probably going to kick your ass. But, uh, yeah, just kind of rambling here. This is probably the longest podcast I've done. So, at this point of talking, I probably already lost anybody that's already listening. But, I'm enjoying having my... Brother, here to talk sports with. Um, I've pretty much gone through everything in my list. I did, uh, I did, I did think it was funny that Nick Saban did say that um, Auburn was the best team that um, Alabama was going to play this year. That was, <laughs> that was not, after they lost to LSU.
1: <laughs> he did, he did say that, but that was not true at all. He, he, he was taking a shot at Coach O. There is no, you don't just say that when you got your shit kicked out of you by LSU, and you know, the best part about that game wasn't that LSU beat uh, Alabama, it was what the LSU players did after the game, you know, um, a lot of times this happens, you know, a lot of colleges do it, they'll have a section for all the recruits, you know, it doesn't matter what sport it is, or they'll have them on the sideline, and uh, Alabama had a section where um, they had all their recruits and uh LSU players went up there and started saying y'all best fucking um yeah. rethink y'all's commitment yeah, rethink this commitment. ain't this ain't the place come to LSU i thought that was better than the actual game i thought that was hilarious yeah and it you know there's video you can look it up and it, it's hilarious
0: that's funny cuz bef- after the game coach o was in the locker room and, and one of his players went live on facebook which is always uh, I know. <laughs> if I'm yeah, if I'm if, if there's any athletes out there listening that play uh, professional sports, if there's even the slightest possibility that I get that lucky, um please face go Facebook live immediately after a, a win or a loss in the locker room because I love that shit. Um What it, it, what what
1: professional player did that?
0: Antonio Brown did it yeah, in Pittsburgh. He, <laughs> he caught Mike, Mike Tomlin saying some shit. Um uh, what player recently did it, and he caught, it was a Titans player, and there was that dude's dick just, just out in the back, <laughs> just fucking, it was, it was, it was, was, it Luan, the offensive lineman for the Titans? i sure. I didn't hear about that. His no, fucking did I, dick. did
1: that happen in the MLB?
0: Matt Harvey, Boy, Matt were, Harvey were, had were, a dildo in his locker. They had, uh, had a, Matt Harvey had a big dildo in his locker, and he went to <laughs> that. No, he went on the he was he was on on the news. He he did an interview. That's what that I mean. It's it that, and it, it's crazy because that always starts that player's demise. Mm-hmm. So like, and that started Antonio Brown's demise in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know the player for LSU that did it, but he caught Cocho saying some shit. Like he was like, "We're gonna beat the fuck out of Alabama every time we see them. Like when we see them on the recruiting trail, when we see them, you know, in the streets. Like we're gonna beat the fuck out of them." <laughs> And uh, Coach O saying anything is just funny as fuck. Any, I don't care whatever whatever he says. It's just, and then he says "Go Tigers" at the end. It's I don't know what's better to listen to, Pat Mahomes or Coach O. It's better to listen to PFT (laughs) commenter do an impression of Pat Mahomes
1: (laughs) than anything. I want Pat Mahomes. No, when they had Pat Mahomes on, I remember one day, Pat Mahomes was just trying to, it it seemed like Pat Mahomes was just trying to, like, hurry the fuck up and get out of here. You know, he he, he was on uh, part of my take. He was trying.
0: They went, they went, um, they went around the table and they all did impressions of Mahomes (laughs) with him, with him in the room, you know, (laughs) like. So you got so you're sitting there and like everybody surrounding you is um is doing an impression of your voice and it's and they're exaggerating the fuck out of it and it sounds worse than Kermit the frog. Yeah, I'd probably want to get up and leave as well, but um yeah, but if you're Patrick Mahomes like who gives a fuck? I don't care if,
1: they're probably painting. I don't care what I sound <laughs>
0: like if I'm if I have if I'm not good of a player, but um but but the live the live feeds are funny and, and I think Coach Saban doesn't really care for Coach O because I think Saban is the ultimate competitor. I don't think he is. It's pretty obvious that he is, but um anytime he gets beaten, he is he's so fucking salty. And this is just him just being salty, Nick Saban, and knowing that he can't win. Uh they they Saban is so goal oriented. They're not going to reach their goal with Mac Jones at quarterback, and that's just that. There's no experimental surgeries that's going to get Tua back out on the field. Um, they,
1: they have Tua's brother.
0: So uh, I think that their season's pretty much ended. Uh, but, hey, you know, I, I've seen videos of some of the recruits that are going to Alabama, and I think they're going to be okay going, going forward. Do but, you um,
1: see in the next five years Alabama on the downfall? Next five if years. Nick
0: Saban leaves, I've I've already Nick, said it. I don't think Nick. I've already leave. said Nick Saban's gonna get bored. I mean, you
1: look at there,
0: there, there's a saying: never get bored with success. It's like Mike Tomlin, but it's easy to get bored then in who any, any the setting.
1: Kansas State coach, what was his name? Um, Bill Snyder. Bill, Bill St- Snyder
0: was Mike Tomlin's been there
1: forever. Bill Snyder's been. there We're not really living anymore.
0: in that generation anymore, where you where you have this the the working man that works in the steel mines his entire life and then retires and dies. We don't. We're not. We don't see that anymore. So, it, we're living in, in, a, in a mobility generation where you know if if things get too uh, boring for you, you can always you have options out. So, I think that you know the Cowboys are going to inquire about Nick Saban, which is where I would love for him to go, and also. Um, you I mean Nick Saban was going to go to Texas. That was that was well documented, and the there was a booster at UT that couldn't quit running his mouth. He, he, uh, there was a 10-year contract on the table. It was all but signed. There was a UT booster that couldn't quit running his mouth about it, and um, he ended up backing out. And that was when Alabama built a statue of him. And so um, that was just kind of for them to show their level of commitment. But I think that he's been bored for a while, and, and and two years in a row of no national championship. I mean, that's pretty wild for Alabama. So I think that we could see him move on and try something else. You, think Alan, you uh, he, he can't say that he's succeeding at the highest level. I mean, he's always that's always going to be the biggest They knock. won't
1: win it this year, I'll tell you that.
0: They won't win it this year, but but what I'm saying is, is that that all What's Nick Saban when you, when you when you look at Nick Saban, you're going to say, yeah, Nick Saban, you know, one of the greatest, greatest coaches. College, football, college football coach of all time, but he couldn't win the of NFL. The best, I, I say one of the best coaches of all time. He went to the NFL and he couldn't win.
1: Well, that was back then. Look at him now. I mean, you don't even you, remember. You're, you're not even Cliff old Kingsbury, enough. You're not old Cliff enough. Kingsbury couldn't coach in college, but he's doing semi-decent in the NFL. Way better than what I thought and what you thought, too. I didn't think he was going to get more than two wins. I, I think – I don't know the exact record. I want to say they
0: have run I think four they've, or five. No, they've, I think they've won like two two or three games. But, but the thing is is that Nick Saban in Miami was a dumpster fire. He would have still been at LSU probably had he not have made that jump, and, and LSU would have been what Alabama is today. But um, I think that he's gonna want to try try the NFL out again at some point in time. Urban Meyer is itching to go to the NFL. He's already thrown his name in some coaching hats, and and so I think the Cowboys are gonna look at him, and and I think that's probably the best fit for the Cowboys if they give him like full control. You got to make him a general manager. You got to make him a coach. He has to have control over personnel good coaches are good um, judges of character and they know what kind of, uh, what kind of person responds to what kind of situation the best. So, um, I think that's what makes a good coach. So I don't know, but that's pretty much all we got. Um, for episode seven, I think we've gone about almost 50 minutes. So that I've, I've tripled my average podcast time. So if you're still listening at this point, thank you very much. Um, Appreciate it and uh, hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving and uh, didn't gain any any added extra weight or anything like that. But if you did, um, hit the gym hard tomorrow and uh, I'll be uh, back with episode 8 tomorrow. Thanks.